Hello and welcome back to the True Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Gabe Timmons. I have with me, as usual, Justin and Stephen Alexander. And welcome back to the show. All right, fellas, this week, go ahead, get right into it. Uh, there has been a buzz on social media, on the internets, and that is who's better, Drake or the legend Michael, uh, Michael Jackson? I mean, I already have my thoughts on this, but... Go ahead. We'll start it off. Um, with I was I would say like the argument is not whether um, Drake has surpassed Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. but more so like has Drake developed more fame at his peak? Um, recently, Drake surpassed Michael Jackson in overall streams or overall plays or whatever. Um, but I would say like, and this is coming from like a Drake super fan. Like Drake is my all time favorite artist. That's my goat. Um, I don't necessarily think he's quite surpassed Michael Jackson yet, but. He's definitely the closest thing we have to Michael Jackson now. Like Michael Jackson, if you you set apart the uh, set aside the music, Michael Jackson is probably one of the most famous people of all time. Yep. You think of Madonna, you think of uh, Beatles, Elton John. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he was a famous people. Like like we discussed before. Like Michael Jackson had people like passing out from excitement at his concerts. Right. But also you have you have, you have to appreciate the different generations where. Um, where these artists come from. Michael Jackson did this strong for 40 years. And also he produced Drake numbers in a time before social media, um, uh, in a time where you actually had to physically go to a record store and buy an album where you can get for free on a streaming platform. Um, so it's a different time. Arguably, you say Michael Jackson actually um, would have more sales now than he did in the past. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? So I think the the statistic that triggered this debate was uh, the uh, number ones or the number of records in the Billboard top ten mm-hmm. off of one album. Right, right. So they're comparing CLB to to the Thriller album, uh, and Drake beat MJ's Thriller album. He had nine uh, tracks in the top ten Billboard top one hundred uh, on CLB. I think right. Thriller had like seven. So people are arguing whether or not. Uh, Drake at his peak has surpassed uh, Michael Michael Jackson at his peak. Um, I don't know. I want to say Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I think you bring, I think you bring up a good point. Uh, Drake's doing all this during like the streaming era, right. compared to like the hard copy record uh, or, or CD vinyl era. Um, so it's hard to compare. It's like almost like apples and oranges. Um, but obviously, like Justin said, I'm a huge Drake fan. Um, Drake has gripped this generation, right? Um, and mm. Michael Jackson, yeah, I said it right. I almost said Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jackson did the same thing, you know, with for our parents and yeah. our grandparents and stuff like that. So they're two very uh, high caliber artists. Um, but I don't. If you dig further into the stats, I think Drake spent like 401 weeks in the Billboard Top 100. Um, also, in terms of uh, best selling albums, Drake has like I think 10 number one albums. Right, right. right. MJ has like. I don't want to misquote the statistic, like six or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like raw data, yeah, Drake is beating uh, Michael Jackson in almost every category. But again, it's hard to compare when you look at the the way the music is uh, yeah. consumed and by the was, audience. That was the point I was going to go to, like what you just said is, yeah, I think the numbers are a little bit inflated right. now just because of all the streaming platforms and different ways that you consume music. When you take into account Michael Jackson's era, like the only way to listen to his music was through hard copies and on the radio. And when you look at that and then see that he's he was still as big as he was, yeah. I don't even think Drake comes close to it. And that's not to say Drake is not a huge but artist because I think he's easily one of the most recognizable artists in music today. But as far as like the impact that yeah. Michael Jackson had on the world, you know, just with music, you know, with, uh, you know, just being a polarizing figure, like, I don't think Drake even compares to that, to be completely honest. I think the one true accurate way to measure uh, performance and success is like concert ticket sales. No one's really yeah. talking about that. Like, yeah. who's drawing more crowds to a concert? Because yeah. like, regardless of the generation, a body is a body at a concert, mm-hmm. so I think that's a more accurate way of measuring who's right, a more right. popular artist. And I would say sheer fame is like the only way you can compare the two because I think that there is a genre difference there. If you were to compare like sheer talent, I would say 
Chris Brown is more comparable as far as you talking about like someone that's extremely talented and creative, someone who can dance, sing, rap, do art. Like that's a more comparable artist. Mm-hmm. But I think they're just talking about as far as sheer fame because of this recent um, Certified Lover Boy album. Yeah, and I mean, and the album was definitely big time for real. I mean, and it, it wasn't like there was a whole lot of music coming out um, outside of the Kanye Donda album, so it wasn't like there was a whole lot of competition for him. So I could see how Donda was kind of trash. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I could I could see how that would also in inflate the numbers a little bit. But I think we're all pretty much in agreement here. Like Michael Jackson is. He's just on a different level, I think, right. you yeah. know. And, and Drake has time. Drake has yeah. time to reach that. Michael Jackson had 40 years. Like, obviously, Drake was artist of the decade, but... Do you think he's starting to fall off a little bit, or do you... No, know? he's Absolutely at his peak not. now, yeah. especially coming off artist of the decade and then, like, demolishing Kanye mm-hmm. in album sales. Um, I would say Drake is still in the up and up. He has another decade, I would say. Another and then we can... Decade? Let's talk... Yeah, let's talk about this, like, 10 years from now. I think he, he will be um, in that conversation. Okay, I mean, before I move on, but what what would you say your favorite uh, track was off of the uh, CLB album? Not to take it off tra- um, topic. You, too you far. only live twice because uh, it twice? brings it brings it back to like the 2010s where it's more so like instead of just production, you're going bar for bar. You got um, uh, Drake, Lil Wayne, and Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. I would say like that is a great song. Like it really brings me back a little bit. Like um, the best songs on like Drake's albums are a little bit more. Uh, nostalgic they have a nostalgic yeah. aspect to it yeah. and it brings it back to the era where like you know we talk about like I would say this is an era more so of production people value production more in music now than lyrics mm-hmm. it brings it back to that old era where it's like okay like I'm gonna have to rap like spit bar for bar or I'm gonna look like a chump on this track right what about so, you Steve favorite track off CLB yeah um, this is a, this is don't a hand- say too sexy bro <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Um, I like uh, Fair Trade because got you know Travis Scott. Yeah, it's it's a good. Yeah, that is. It's a, a good song. radio song. Yeah. Um, but I've been really into In the Bible recently. In the Bible. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That that's been yeah, one of my I think I tracks. gave that one like a one time through listen. Yeah. Like I didn't. I don't know. It didn't really uh, stick with me. A lot of people. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. Like the second track off the album, uh, is it Poppy's, Poppy's Home? Yeah. I don't know why, but that track just gave me like, uh, if you're reading this, it's too late. Yeah, it's nostalgic. Like, yeah. It was like that's that's probably my favorite track off the the album for real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, overall, yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. Michael Jackson is just he, he's. He's on a different level, but like you said, he has some time to grow. He'll definitely potentially one day. How do you think CLB stacks up compared to the rest of Drake's albums? Mm. That's Um, honestly, it's up there. It's up there because uh, there's been a few Drake albums that I don't want to say were throwaways, but Scorpion. Yeah, like there's some (laughs) like there was good music on it, but. I'm not like really clamoring to go back to that. I wouldn't even say throwaways. They're more so um, albums that you know kind of had to grow on you. Yeah, yeah. But you could argue uh, that's all of damn Kanye's music yeah. or his new music. You have <laughs> to grow true. on you. Like yeah. starting with Yeezus, it's like hey, God. Un- damn. Unpopular opinion, honestly, but well, I, maybe maybe it is. But popular I'm really, so I'm really, I've never really been that big into Kanye. Like I mean, like mm. I like even I would say. College Dropout, I really like that one for sure. I like, like 808s and Heartbreaks for some you reason. You like 808s? Yeah. I yeah. love I uh, old Kanye. Yeah, old Kanye was definitely a gem. Yeah. Um, the last like song that I heard from Kanye that really like gave me like that nostalgic vibe is the song. Uh, you know the song with um, what was it Kid Cudi and Travis Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song was great. Yeah, but. and and that's not even to say that like Kanye, his music I don't like. It's that's it's just to say like. I could take it or leave it, to be mm-hmm. honest. You know, it's what just I mean? like I think Kanye's music is how his mind works, and it's just like all over the place. Yeah, like, I mean, some people like that. Like mind. some people find that really like creative. Like they're really into it. Yeah, I just. <laughs> but he's like he's <laughs> bipolar, and that's how his music is. Like, if, like his music is an expression of self, and Kanye is literally medically bipolar. So that's yeah. how his music is. So you can love it or hate it. Um, I try. I need to listen to it back through. It might grow on me, like most of Kanye's music has to nowadays, but most likely not. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'll probably get out of pass. 
<laughs> but hey, man, we're going to go ahead and move on uh, to uh, impressions, the NFL. Uh, you know, we gave our thoughts Ooh. last week for uh, week one and expectations for week two. Week two is now in the books. We're moving on to week three. So I got to start off. How you feeling about your teams? Hey, the Eagles, um, even though we lost, like, just I don't think there's anything we should be worried about. Like Jalen Hurts is still adjusting into the starting position. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost the we lost the game on a lot of missed opportunities. Um, what's so funny? Yeah, I don't last know. week I'm you curious. were like praising Jalen Hurts, like he's a solution we've been needing this whole time. He is. He still is. He's look okay. I know you say <laughs> Philly fans are toxic, but we I'm not that toxic. I'm be reasonable. We lose a game. Get this. Right, I would say this game was lost on missed opportunities. We had talked about it before. Um, That penalty brought us back. Um, The defense did do his job. Yeah, Um, I would say that. But Jalen Hurts is running the ball too much. He has to kind of adjust into pocket and get his looks. He's ran 347 yards Mm -hmm. so far this season. Um, It's about top five in the league, actually. But that's the thing. Like that's not sustainable, and he's going to get hurt. He needs to get his looks and pass the ball more. But I feel like this is not this doesn't scare me. The game was close. Like it could have been determined by actual penalty. We could have won the game. So it was just missed opportunities late in the game that Jimmy Garoppolo um what is actually that's one of his Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths is like if you give him uh opportunity late in the game to perform, he's always going to do that. So uh, I'm not worried. We'll we'll give it a few more games to you know and reassess. But yeah, I think one one thing you could definitely be proud about, I guess, or not be too concerned about is, I mean, uh, San Francisco's no bum team. You know exactly. what I mean? Like they're, they're a pretty solid team. So the fact that you had your defense held them to 17 points, and then right. also, you know, you guys were still in it. Right. Like that that is room for. Exactly. For, for praise. Steve, what you what, what about your Patriots? Yeah, so the Patriots won, which was good good to see. Um much in thanks to Zach Wilson's four interceptions that he threw. <laughs> Scrub. <laughs> so I was I was happy to see that. I was actually um I was watching that game on a plane and I'm over here like rejoicing in my seat and everyone was looking at me. But uh I will say, yeah, good win on behalf of the Patriots. Mac Jones played okay. Um didn't you know throw any touchdowns? Didn't throw any interceptions. So that's all you can ask. You know he didn't turn the ball over. He managed the game well. Um, again, like like Justin said, he's a young quarterback. He's learning the offense. Um, so I was I was satisfied with the win. Uh, we got to play uh, the Saints. I think this week. Yeah. Uh, hey, I hope you. Hey, if you're lucky, you'll get the Saints. We played last week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and for unlucky, we'll get the Saints from two weeks ago. Uh, but again. Uh, AFC East looks pretty average as of now. Uh, yeah. I think the Bills won this past weekend. Uh, they beat the Dolphins, I want to say. <sighs> Destroyed yeah. the Dolphins. It was pretty sad. 35 nothing. Um, Dolphins going to have a bad season, bro. So and that's tough because the Dolphins just beat us last week. So, like, <laughs> again, who's going to win the AFC East? Is it going to be the Pats or the Bills? I'm leaning towards the Bills. Um, but uh, I guess only time will tell. Um, how do you feel about your Panthers? Man, I'm riding high right now, like two and zero. Like, but the thing is, I this just doesn't feel like a surprise to me. Like, I've seen the moves that they were making all off season. Like, they were retooling that defensive line. Like, our secondary was already getting better, and then we got J.C. Horn in the first round. So, I already knew our defense was already gonna kind of be pretty good, or what kept us in the game. I think what nobody really could have. Predicted. It predicted was how well our offense has been able to sustain drives and able to like Tim Darnold is a real clock. surprise. Yeah, like a lot of Panthers fans weren't sure about Darnold. Some of them still aren't, and they just probably won't. But Sam Darnold is he he's 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 exactly what he was built as, and I appreciate that. So if he's not, Cam's coming back. Cam is never coming back. I promise you. <laughs> like, and I love Cam Newton, but right. he, he's, he's not coming back. So, I mean, we got the the Texans this week. So that if and they're they're they lost got hurt. their quarterback. Yeah. So oh, this over. it's looking at like a three and zero for us if we keep it running. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to uh, you know who who was a uh, who was a player or a team that you were surprised by. Um, by how they performed. What are your thoughts? Okay, I would say um, the Raiders definitely surprised me beating the Steelers the this week. 
Yeah, the, yeah, because the Steelers were on the roll, or at least what was perceived as a roll. Like, uh, they won that game off of scoring 10 points in the last uh, 10 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Hart continues to make great decisions, um, and he made plays when where he needed. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers were actually expected to win at home coming off that upset against the Bills. That's what I would have um, But the running game has been suffering, and as a result, like, Nigel Harris still has to, you know, adjust into his role, but... Steelers, when the running game is inconsistent, they um, it, it actually makes the passing game a little bit more inconsistent. Like Big Ben is like uh, scrambling more, like and, and he's getting an old age now. So like um, you can't if they can't set up the play action pass, like uh, Ben uh, Ben uh, Roethlisberger is going to be yeah. throwing a little bit more inaccurate. So that, I think that was my biggest surprise. Um, and then obviously the Panthers going two up. Um, the the Saints also didn't do a good job of um, setting up the run. Um, Jameis Winston needs that to kind of like settle into his spots. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are those are my two biggest surprises from week two. Steve, I think my most favorite game to watch this past week was Cardinals Vikings. Um, really? Yeah. Really. First of all, Kyler Murray, uh, Oklahoma quarterback, Boomer Sooner K one. So obviously, I'm gonna be in support of him. Oh my god. <laughs> Sooners fan, man. Horns down. Since when? Since God I moved to Oklahoma. Um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Uh, that was an electric game to me. Although I will say, player-wise, I was very pleased to see Kirk Cousins uh, do work um, on behalf of the Vikings. He put them in a position to win the game. They missed a field goal, you know, but that's not his fault. Yeah. He ran the two-minute offense well and put them in a position to succeed, and that's going to pay dividends uh, down the road when it comes time for playoffs, wild card race, whatever. Um, if you can perform in the last two minutes of a game and give your team a chance to win, that's all you can ask for as a quarterback. Give your team a chance to win. So I was very pleased to see what Kirk, what Kirk Cousins did for mm-hmm. the Vikings. Yeah, my mine was uh, the the nightcap, the uh, – Baltimore Ravens versus oh, the Kansas City yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. How could we forget? Yeah. I mean, that that was a gussy call by uh, Baltimore to, you know, most teams would have just punted it away like some fools, give Mahomes the ball back just to score. But, no, nah, they went for it. And right. it came up big. So, that was probably – that was a very good game. It was cool. Lamar uh, Jackson did his thing. Um, he still got some things to work on, obviously. But – I mean, he finally got the monkey off his back. He finally beat the Chiefs. And, yeah, I think Baltimore, if they keep everything going the way they are, like, they're going to be a contender as well. Right. And it's it's great. Like, this is what you want to see. Like, uh, coming back from, like, last week when we were talking about rumors, has he reached his ceiling? Um, Is Lamar Jackson on the decline? Um, This is actually great to come out and stick it to – one of the best teams in the league and kind of changed the narrative about exactly. it. He had a very balanced game besides those two picks. Um, and I'm actually excited to see where they take this uh, momentum going off week two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, and so with that being said, who, who do you think is the, the contenders for the Super Bowl right now? I mean, it's too early in the season, but I mean – who do you think is is showing you? Um, I think I think it depends on week three. Um, I would say my uh, dark horse candidate it would be the Rams right now, Rams. and we'll see how they play with the Bucks. Uh, Matt Stafford is coming out high. He's still adjusting to the starting position with the Rams. They still have one of the best defenses in the league, and obviously Tom Brady is actually kind of playing the best football of his career too. Mm-hmm. So if the Rams can prove in week three that they can beat the Bucks, I think they are a contender. Yeah, I feel you. What's up, Steve? Uh, so we haven't talked about the Packers yet. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came out this week, oh, totally yeah. rebounded after what he did two weeks ago um, against the Saints. So I think don't sleep on the Green Bay Packers. Once all the theatrics in Green Bay calm down, Aaron Rodgers focuses. Uh, I think in the NFC, uh, Green Bay can make a run. So. Yeah, I feel you. I'm still, I'm still going with. Uh, still think the Bucks, yeah. the the Seahawks. And yeah, I'm gonna go with the Rams for now. They're clear, clear title contenders. Um, but you know, like I said, it's it's too early in the season to really say who is going to be in the Super Bowl. But these guys are definitely looking pretty good right now. Side note: What do y'all think about the like taunting rule and stuff like That's that going on? Because like a lot of people are getting upset with that. And honestly, I've seen it. And yeah, they are kind of being. 
these a little bit. <laughs> like it's taking it's taking the fun out of uh, out of the sport. Like yeah. you talk about um, gamesmanship. We had they had a similar rule in um, in the NBA about taunting, and it's taking like the gamesmanship out of it. That's like uh, taunting kind of comes from the passion of the game. So you take the, so you um, take that and make it a fifteen yard penalty, like. I think it's taking the fun out of the game, like, and that's where the perception of football is becoming soft. Is coming from like, come on, we're football players, we're hitting each other, and we're becoming sensitive from like taunting. Like, yeah, I think it was a bad call by Roger Goodell. Pretty bogus. Right. I was I was listening to something on uh, part of my take, and they were especially for like the defensive lineman. You play hundreds of snaps in a single season, right. and if you're a good top tier defensive lineman, you might reach the quarterback right. 15 times. Right. Or like ten times right. out of hundreds of snaps, you deserve to celebrate uh, yeah. at least ten to fifteen times a season. Like, like this, is, like this isn't tennis. Like you can't, like, <laughs> no, like, like you're not gonna sit there and just be like, oh, good game, old boy. Like, no, yeah. you are like knock, trying to knock somebody's head off yeah. every single. But play. this is like taking an entire aspect of sports. Like we talk in sports. That's a part of like, and it comes stems from your passion of the game. So like, you take that aspect out. Like now, you know, we making like big hits or big catches and now we're like walking on eggshells because guess what? If you make a one-handed grab in the corner of the end zone and you taunt the other team, it could be taken back. Like, this is – like, that's serious. They, they want you to hand the ball to the referee and, uh, right, like, and just shake your, your, you. your teammates' <laughs> hands. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, right. this is football. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and hop off of that. There's some interesting takes for sure. Um, we'll revisit it next week. But uh, the real question I, I want to know uh, as we were talking about it uh, – and this comes from a suggested uh, topic, but how long, or I don't want to mess it up, how long should you wait to introduce your partner to your family and friends if you are if you just got into a relationship? How, how long would you say you should wait before you introduce them to your family and friends? Is there a time limit? Does it even matter? What thoughts? Uh- Oh, see, you actually got something to start a relationship with? No, I'm just saying. I think it all. There's <laughs> a lot of like lit up. Like, no, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of factors to it. I think uh, one, the biggest factor, I think, being like location of your your significant other and your parents. Like, I live 1,500 miles away from my parents. Like, if I meet somebody and I'm dating them for a while, it's probably going to be at least a year. Like, come Thanksgiving, Christmas time, whatever, before. Uh, I introduced my uh, my significant other to my parents. However, if I lived, if I worked in Boston, um, that time might the timeline might be shorter because my parents lived twenty minutes away from me, my significant yeah. other. Um, so I think it all depends. Distance is one factor. Um, quality of the relationship is another factor. So like, if it's just like a you know kind of surface level relationship, I might not you know <laughs> introduce that person to my parents. Um, what other factors would you say go into it, Justin? I would say um, with the attention of date to marry, I would put a minimum timeline if I would put a timeline about three months. But it's also like when you decided uh, in your head, like this is a person you can see with uh, see you being yourself being with for the long term. So especially like I would say max a year, um, given if it's given the distance. But I would say like at least three months um, once you decide like, OK, you know, I can see myself being with this person. Um, for life, I would say, then that would be a great time to introduce them to your parents. So would you like fly your parents out after three months or fly your girlfriend home after three months? Uh, I wouldn't fly my parents out. I'll probably bring her home like Thanksgiving, Christmas. But what if you start dating her like in January? You can fly her home for Easter? Maybe. Uh, I mean, it, maybe if the situation calls, but like you said, like with the, if there's uh, a significant distance for that, I would just wait into the first major holiday i don't even think easter is significant enough to that's what i'm saying so <laughs> it could be up to a year right if yeah i was like if my parents that summer decided they wanted to visit me yeah they would meet her then but um so for yeah. so the biggest thing for you guys really you think is just distance really or would you say it's more so uh the quality of the relationship yeah it's definitely quality i don't like to put timelines on anything like relationship based like like because you feel what you feel and I don't necessarily if you put timelines on it you're you might just undermine yourself like trying to be what would you say are some factors that would that you would hesitate more or less to either t- 
tell your friends like, oh yeah, I have, I'm dating somebody, or like uh, you tell your parents like, oh, I'm dating somebody. What are mm. some things that would make you say, mm, maybe not right now? Yeah. Also, another factor I forgot to mention uh, is like the relationship you have with your parents. Like some people have met, oh, yeah, tell yeah. their parents everything. Mm-hmm. For no reason, like in right. explicit detail. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you tell your parents that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but so if you're a per- type of person that tells your parents everything, then maybe the timeline might be shorter. But for a person like me, I don't tell my parents anything. Yeah. Anything at all. That's really. not necessarily Nothing. good neither. That's like, I'm not saying it's good. Or like I'm a not. secretive thing. Like, I'm you can saying. be open and honest. Like, if your parents, like, are you seeing anybody and you feel it's time to, you know, divulge that information, you can do that. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just coming from a person that's like pretty open with my parents. I don't talk to them often, but if they were asked a question, I would be honest. But it depends on like, you know, the levels of privacy you want. Like Steve is a person who's like a little bit more methodical. So by the time, you know, um, they meet the parents, like you're no for sure. You're not thinking about anybody else, like which is also a, a different method, but it doesn't make it any worse. OK, so. Uh, with that being said, how much does your family and friends' opinion of the, your partner impact the relationship or, like, your thought process on it? And then in the event that they didn't like your, you know, significant other or whatever, how would you navigate that situation? Oh, I think that's a very delicate situation it. because you can't let your, your family and friends get too involved in your relationship. And that's why you also kind of be have, uh, have to be careful with what you share with them because they're always going to be on your side no matter what. So if you mm-hmm. share all like the negative things in your relationship, they're going to be biased you know, against your partner. Mm-hmm. So you gotta, it has to be a very, it's a very delicate balance. Um, but also like this should weigh in, like, especially I would say your your parents should weigh in to a certain uh, extent uh, because those are the people you might look for to see like hidden red flags that you mm-hmm. might not notice because you're so deeply in love. Um, so how I think, would, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's it. I was going to say, how would you distinguish between, you know, maybe your family or friends just kind of giving their opinion when it's not needed and them actually identifying a red flag. How do you differ or decide like, you know what, I'll take your advice or no, I think that's your thought, that's your opinion and I don't think it's warranted. I think, how do you how do you differentiate that? I, I think it's something like, if it's something glaring that your parents like kind of bring up that you just, you know, um, you're so smitten, if you will, <laughs> that you kind of like <laughs> smitten. No, you you kind of like freaking like ignore ignore that. Ah, oh, it'll be fine. But your parents are like you clearly saw what happened, right? <laughs> but if they're if they're just like nitpicking, because parents like to nitpick, yeah. And, and like and that's my what parents, I, that's what I'm and at. I know like yeah. Steve's parents too. Like they like to create narratives based on absolutely no context. Like you meet them for the first time, I think they're this type of person. Like you don't even know them, right? Like you just met them, right? So like. Obviously, like clear things, like you can. T- I think you can tell if um, if it's something like a clear red flag. It's like, whoa, like why aren't you paying attention to that? Or it's like they're just kind of nitpicking. I'm like, you what would you? What would you say? What would you say is a clear red flag? Because I'm sure there Ooh, are some people that that's hard. There are some people that you know don't know what a clear red flag is, or maybe they know and they're just subconsciously putting it behind them, and they're like, no, I love this person. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, help me out here, bro. I don't know. I, I got something to say with the nitpicking part. Um, I was talking to this one girl one time, and then she was like, oh, was that your mom? Tell Stella I said hi. And then uh, and she was like, my mom what? was like, Stella, call me Mrs. Besent. <laughs> I was like, dang, mom, like, calm down. Like, it's not that serious. Like, she's like, no, she doesn't get to call me that. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is why I don't tell I mean, you. It's kind of serious. I'll be I'm kind of yeah. upset if my yeah. girlfriend was talking about tell Alicia. Yeah, I said, yeah. what's up? I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Shorty, I don't even call her Alicia. You better not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think. Yeah, no, that's, that's just, not ridiculous, that, honestly. That's that, the, You think that's. I, I don't think that's ridiculous. I mean, it is. That's I mean, nitpicky look, as look, heck. It's one thing. So here, here's my thought process on that. It's one thing if, like, they're close and she says that or something like that and your mom is cool with it. Right. But if I just met them. And they're already just calling me like like put it in put put it in the context. If you had a kid, right? If you have a child and they're in a relationship and they're just like, 
All right, Steve. See you. See you next time. Like you, you be like Steve, bro. Because right, I don't know you fight a kid. I'd be like, fight a kid, and they, and they, if I had a kid, and they introduced me to their significant other, and they were like, "Hey, uh, Mr. Bassett, uh, my name is Justin. Whatever. God forbid, I'll never let you date my daughter. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. He's like, I'm not a predator. <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, uh, my name, hey, Mr. Brissett, my name is Justin, whatever. I'll be like, hey, no. Hey, man, call me Steve. Okay. Boom. All right, but you established Hell no, it. Bro. But, but, but you established it, right? What you kind of pseudo power dynamic am I trying to hold over right. my No, but but you're you just trying to. He's already a little ass kid. No, what you're more power to his best friend dynamic. No, There's a difference what more power do I need? He's already child, a little I'm saying, like, you established it, though. Like, you said, like, oh, call me Steve. Okay, I'm going to call you Steve now because you, you told me to call you Steve. But, like, walking into the situation, like, you're just like, oh, yeah, all right, Steve. Like, yeah, they're jumping the gun. The thing I is, don't know they're either going to respect you or they're not. Calling you, calling me Mister Bissett versus Steve is not going to change the level of respect this kid has for me. It's so, common courtesy. Let's not just get rid of that. Like you, have, you have your your um, son or uh, daughter's like spouse calling you. What's up, Steven? But, but yeah. Like, but yeah, that, yeah, that, that's know. the thought. That's the thought. But <laughs> just the thought. But yeah, the red flag. Outside of that, what would you say is the <laughs> clear red flag? <laughs> Or if any, uh, I would say openly disparage you in front of your parents, like in public, like insulting you, like simple things like insulting your intelligence, like especially being very argumentative in public. I would say that mm. is definitely a clear red flag. Okay. Like, like this is not like a damn circus act. This yeah. is like, like Drake said, like why you gotta argue with me at cheesecake? Yeah. Like I thought, <laughs> I was like, I thought you went vegan. Like why are you beefing with me again? Like, <laughs> Like not in a public place. Like I think that's a clear red flag when when your partner's willing to like disparage you in public. I think there's a time and a place for everything, especially if they don't give. Um, when your parents are like right in front of you and be like, uh, just that's how my parents would look. My mom would look at me like I'm crazy. So that's definitely a clear red flag. You got you got anything, Steve? No, no clear red. <laughs> no comment. Flags. Only because I've never got to the red flag portion. Okay, that's fair, fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. The, the only red flag I can think of for sure is, you know, like physical abuse or anything like that. And yeah, you got you touched on it, verbal abuse. But physical, but oh my yeah. God. Come to like you should, that's a clear I'm red like, flag. You should, it should get your attention when Shorty is hitting on you. But, like, that's, <laughs> but, that's, but that's the thing, though. I've known a few people to like actually have been hit oh and God. they're just like, no, it's just normal. Like, no, that is like, not normal. No, this is a normal day in my relationship. That is not. That is not normal. That is not normal. That is not okay. Like, and they're eating in front of them. Like, mm. I mean, clearly, they're looking good. I mean, obviously, they were upset about it, but like in the same breath, like, mm, yeah. But whatever. would you let your partner give you like a two piece and a biscuit <laughs> special in front of your parents, bro? You're just like, I'm not saying it's okay, mom. Parents. Like, this is you she's just on her period. <laughs> That was problematic. Uh, you want to, <laughs> that was very problematic. Um, you want to hear something sad? What? Oh, the God. only uh, significant other my parents have met of mine uh, was my high school girlfriend. Really? And that was seven years ago. Man. Why is that really? sad? That doesn't mean you date with intention and you're very methodical just, in your approach. I'm just saying, like... Like, I you can't. haven't been smitten yet. No, that, <laughs> that has nothing to do with being smitten. This word smitten. But I'm I, just saying, I like him, he coined that. Sh yeah. <laughs> put it. Yeah. Put it in the put it in the comment section below. Smitten. <laughs> Spell it. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it goes back to my point where I can't really relate to a lot of like the stuff that's going on here because I haven't been put in those shoes. Like the last time I had a significant other and my parents were uh, involved was when I was in high school, and that's again proximity because I can't be like ducking and dodging, yeah. hiding some girl in my own hometown. Like, okay, we'll, we'll flip it. Maybe not parents, friends, friends. So I was talking to Justin about this a couple weeks ago. I think now that we live so far away from home, right. your friends kind of become your parents when it comes to like. Uh, uh, introducing your significant other to someone whom you trust, mm -hmm. uh, someone who like mirrors your values and it, whose opinion it matters. Depends. Yeah. I can name specifically one of our friends. I won't mention his name, um, but if he's like Justin, I approve. I'm like I wasn't even asking you. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't even asking you. You do or don't. I, I approve. Mean, <laughs> exactly. I'm like. 
like, like when I was I like, definitely approve her, Justin. I wasn't asked. When I was in high school and college, like if I if I introduced a girl to my friends, I wouldn't think much of it. But now that I'm like, I don't have any like family out here to seek approval for. Like, like introducing a girl to my <laughs> friends is like kind of a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think parents are definitely a lot higher on that. Obviously, but it's like it's like yeah, yeah re- it's, relative it's levels to it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Right. I think the parents is like yeah, the final, like, the final official. Because I know you, you have know some friends. Gabe is like, well, I approve of your wife and be a, like, well, we would be together regardless. <laughs> like the <laughs> yeah. No, I told I told my uh, wife this, but there was this guy uh, when we had first started dating, and he was I was a. Uh, Telling him, uh, like, you know, how long I had been with her and then, like, my occupation. And he was like, oh, long distance? Oh, that's not going to work. And, like, yeah, like, straight up. Like, Like, he barely even knew me. I was like, okay. And fast forward, we stood together. So I'm like. I just came out the gate, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Out the gate, man. I wanted, like. I was like, who is this dude? Distance but is tough, though. Distance isn't easy. It is. It, it really is. That's like, a whole different podcast episode, though. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, yeah that's a... Yeah, that's write that down in your notes, Justin. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whole time. We, we, can, we can talk to you on that like, next week or the week after that. But yeah, for sure. All right, fellas. We will go ahead and take a quick little break. And whenever we come back from the cut, uh, we'll have a special guest. Yeah. Uh, new edition. <laughs> All right, we're back from this quick little break. We have with us uh, Mason from the uh, Freedom and Power podcast on all streaming platforms. He's a friend to the friend to the show. Uh, Mason, before we get started, go ahead and give us a little quick synopsis of your uh, podcast. So the Freedom and Power podcast, we basically um, either interview people that are successful or investigate and talk about people that are successful. But the key point is that. I mean, people that are massively successful to the point where someone would consider it luck, and then we basically investigate how it is not luck, in mm-hmm. fact. And then from there, you also we also broke it down into four different aspects, freedom of finance, freedom of action, freedom of movement, and freedom of thought, to then gauge those people's, um, I guess, percentage of freedom and all those different aspects to show that, hey, not only are they massively successful, but like... This is the criteria under those four aspects that they are. So if you're trying to pursue your own um, success, you can then tailor it to something you want more one over the other, whether it's, you know, because if you want to have freedom of finance, you may be tied down to a specific location. So I would consider someone who is a professional athlete or even an extreme sports enthusiast to be um, equally as free in their own right. So basically that's what we did is we just basically showed how luck it wasn't luck success is not luck and then how do you tailor your success to your personal desires okay cool yeah we, we're gonna go ahead we're gonna link his uh his podcast down in the uh comment section below so you guys can go ahead and check that out and uh you know if you uh are one of his subscribers you know, go ahead and check us out as well man so you know mutually beneficial but uh speaking of wealth uh first thing we're gonna talk about uh here is uh what's the importance of uh credit uh, what's the importance of uh, credit in building wealth? Um, and, and what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, is it more important to have the credit to build wealth? Or do you, I mean, is it really not that important? I've heard both takes. So what are you guys' thoughts? Um, I, would say, I would say that um, the basic idea behind credit score is like letting the lender know you're good for it. It's pretty much like, okay, like I'm going to lend you this money. Like, what's your record? So you talk about a credit score is like a credit reputation. Um, so as your uh, your credit reputation increases, the more amount of money you can borrow on lower interest. Um, what are your thoughts, Mason? I would agree with that. I would say it is about reputation, but it's um, it's not even so much about the amount of money. It's about your consistency and your ability to to not default on that loan or that credit or that equity, whatever it right. is. Because there's there's people that are. I know it seems like kind of like big scale, but there's people who are millionaires. Let's say who have had successful businesses mm-hmm. who will have other people um, invest in them just based on the fact they've been successful in the past. And they're getting way more money invested in them than their actual is even in relation to their net worth. So the point is, credit isn't about necessarily the amount of money you need, but it's about your your reputation and um, your yeah, basically your reputation to be consistent and not default on that loan. And I think that's what's important about it because your credit basically allows you to get a bigger loan or, or bigger equity in the long run. And I think that it plays an important role when it comes down to um, 
needed to make quick turnarounds in investments because I would argue some people say that they don't need credit because um, they're not looking to invest in something at the time or they're not looking to make a big purchase at the time. That makes sense. But what I think credit is important for is when an opportunity presents itself in a short term in like a short time frame and then you don't have the um, time to go and liquidate an asset or whatnot mm-hmm. and you have to make a quick maybe even within a week turnaround to to and that's where your credit will come in useful yeah so with credit comes debt right and right. we all know that we all agree with that um so with that being said how much debt is overwhelming and how much of that is beneficial for you to you know, build on to other things, so you know, I th- y'all's opinion. I think there are different types of debt, like there's healthy debt for sure. Like for example, your mortgage, that's, that's healthy debt, right? Because your house as an asset is, exactly. is building value over time. That's healthy debt. Uh, I would even argue as much as they suck, student loans is healthy debt. It's not just like you just ran up a credit card and are trying to like pay it back at a high interest rate. Credit cards are unhealthy debt for sure. <laughs> you definitely don't want to have any credit card debt. Like I have a couple credit cards. I never carry a balance on my credit cards. Um, I'm trying to think. What else is an example of some healthy How long? Debt? Well, 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 to that point, I'm sorry. To that point with the credit cards, how long, for the those listening, how long would you say is too long to have debt on that credit card? Uh <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a length. I would say you probably want to keep that credit card usage, which is about thirty percent um, of your overall credit score, below 15 percent. Six to eight percent is what the credit bureau recommends. Six oh, to eight percent. Okay. Um, that actually, that's actually a good point. What effect? Let's say I'm a brand new college student. I don't even have a credit card yet. What affects my credit score? Um, I would say your, your length of uh, your your length of credit history, just by being a new college student, um, um, just introduced into credit, um, your credit will actually get impacted even more significantly. Just the fact you don't have a history to back yeah. it up, you don't you haven't built that credit credit reputation um, to say oh, okay, I'll, I'll pay this money back. So, being a new college student, you definitely want to pay that off that balance off every month um, to kind of establish that credit history. So. If you do carry a balance, it's not hitting you that hard. Yeah. So length of credit history is a factor. Uh, different types of credit is also a factor. So like, let's say for me, for example, I have student loans. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to have a mortgage, right? That's a different, those are two different types of credit. Um, your credit cards is a different type of credit. Let's say you have a car, um, an auto loan, that's a different type of credit. So like a diverse amount or diverse types of credit uh, looks better on your credit report as well as you talk about utilization. So for example, if you have a, your first credit card um, from Chase, whatever, they give you $6,000 credit limit. When we say utilization, we mean do not go over 10% of that credit limit. So for $6,000, that's 600 bucks. Right, um, six to eight percent is a healthy kind of uh, place to be in when it comes to utilization. Um, also, what what else affects credit? Uh, bills, bills. But like I'm talking about, like <laughs> I'm talking about like major categories. Um, um, hard inquiries. That hard affects inquiries. Credit a lot. Yeah. Um, when you when you go to apply for a mortgage, apply for a car, um, that's actually a mark on your credit and actually reduce your credit score depending on your credit history about three to four. Well, I would say three to seven points, and the more inquire after you have about six inquiries, um, according to Credit Karma, you're you're kind of getting in that red area. Yep. Um, that's a little bit too much. I would say this: um, houses is like a mortgage is probably one of the best forms of credit you can have because as you build equity, paying towards that mortgage, you can leverage leverage that as an additional credit line to either make renovations or uh, pay for an emergency. Um, uh, credit cards, you don't want any of that debt. And, and even if you do carry a balance, like Steve said, probably about 6 to 8%. Um, but credit is extremely important when you, like, it's important to everyone. Like, if you think about buying a house or buying a car or financing any kind of big purchase, um, your credit history, a good credit history will help you pay that lower interest rate. And, like, a bad credit history will have you up paying up to double um, what the cost, seriously, up to double the cost. In interest rate alone, so even if you, um, even if you're not into like investing in anything, credit is the main form of overcoming one of the the top barriers to entry, which is uh, cash flow. Yeah. Having that cash now rather than later. Um, you got thoughts, Mason? Well, yeah, no, I like what you're saying, and I think um, it's pretty simple. If you if 
if you get a credit card, that's a good way to start out. For someone who's just starting out, you know, you don't have, you're not making a car loan, you're not buying a house. Good right. way to start out is to get a credit card and you use it like a debit card. You pay it off every month or at least minimum you're making your payments. And that's the point where now you're building up your reputation. And like you said, if you, if you have multiple different loans out for things that just a general person looking at it would assume isn't good investments, right. then they're going to decrease your credit score. But if they're good investments, it's going to matter. And like, I think we talked about this earlier is um, in the overall economy, there's about two thirds of the economy is based off of credit. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not actual cash. So it's a good thing to have credit out there. The, all the rich people are doing it. There two thirds of the economy is just straight up credit, but it's used to in situations that's going to create more value in the long run. You have two factors. So you have to one, you have to not default on your loan. And the second thing you have to do is you need to create value. If it's just something for personal use, like a car loan, people will notice that and be like, hey, you're just purchasing this for fun. But if it's noticeable, one, you're not defaulting, and two, you're using something that's going to create more value in the long run and bring um, your the people that are loaning you money more money or themselves, mm-hmm. then it's going to be understood that it's a good investment. Exactly. And I think it's pretty obvious what a good investment is. My, my argument would be, if you're young, you shouldn't be happy with the investments you right. make. They should not bring you pleasure. It right. should be something that is a long-term investment that you can see 10 years down the road or whatnot bring you pleasure. Right. Okay. I'll yeah. say um, credit is definitely um, – my dad always told me this. Credit is a direct reflection of your financial habits. Mm-hmm. So if you have bad fini- financial Ooh, habits – Good point. Um, if you have trouble saving money, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I don't have the money. I'm just going to run my credit card up. I've definitely been guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like – um, is definitely a direct reflection of uh, financial habits. Like Steve has good financial habits. He, you know, he saves his money. He makes sure he pays off that um, uh, credit note every single month. Um, those are good financial habits, and his credit score will reflect. Obviously, there are hacks, and I have done uh, many hacks. We could probably get into it on a later <laughs> episode. Um, but yeah, and, uh, yeah. Speaking of speaking of habits, man. I mean. Yeah, good financial habits is definitely important, but uh, a slight shift, speaking of habits, uh, when building their wealth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, millionaires and billionaires and people who have wealth, they obviously built up uh, some good habits. Um, one habit that we, that all people are guilty of or may be guilty of is uh, eating too much or, or drinking alcohol in excess. As an adult, uh, as uh, I think we're all 25 and up here, right? Right. So as an adult, um, 25 up and your bodies are changing, how much alcohol is too much where you realize, oh, I might have a problem? And how much fast food <laughs> would you say is bad for you? You know, I know that's a, that's a big take right there, but... Yeah, um, what do you the, think? the hard answer is you shouldn't be drinking any alcohol or taking any fast food, but that's not realistic. But obviously, like during the week, work week, Monday through Friday, you shouldn't be in taking any fast food. And unless in case of like those slight chances, I don't really feel like cooking, but you should be cooking your meals um, at least Monday through fi- Friday. And you shouldn't really been, I would say, mm, I'll give it like Monday through Thursday. You probably shouldn't be drinking with a few exceptions. Um, what are your thoughts, Mason? So my thoughts on that is that um, if you're trying to get a routine down and get into shape or whatever it is, um, obviously they say you have to do the right thing for as long as you can. But what happens is if you don't fit in these um, selected times to break a habit or to mm-hmm. you know have a cheat day, you're going to break it against your own desires. And at that point, now you've lost control of the situation. So the recommendation I would make is you need to plan in your cheat days or your your beer days or whatever it is but it's controlled it's you're choosing that this is the day between these hours i'm going to have this meal and have this many beers and the point is is you always want to limit that as much as you can but the last thing you want to do is be doing something that you didn't choose to do and then you go on this um you know this big eating spree where you wake up the next day and you're like how did i eat all that so my <laughs> argument would be fit in as many ch- start off slow cuz this is the key to any to any good habit you have to start off slow and even baby steps something that could be considered embarrassing like let me eat one healthy meal a week you know, <laughs> but you build it up over time but it's all planned out you're yeah. saying sunday's my cheat day maybe monday wednesday friday's my cheat day whatever it is and you slowly cut it down until you get to the point where maybe you only have one cheat day a month 
And then as far as the alcohol is concerned, my only thing I would say on that is I think there's more people who – there's two types of people that drink alcohol. You're either doing it for fun or you're doing it to – as some sort of escape, whether it's just general stress at work or something more serious. And my point would be it needs to be for the enjoyment purposes. And then once you're there, then it's, <laughs> then it's limited within health reasons. But I think – I mean this is not a, maybe not the platform to talk about it, but I think there's a lot of people who drink – to like relieve their stress of the day or whatnot, and I think at that point you're you're a loose cannon because <laughs> stress is unlimited. So therefore, drinking potential is unlimited too. Right. Oh, Monday night you shouldn't be like in the refrigerator. Oh, let me get a little nightcap. Some of this goodness gracious, like no, you need therapy. I saw I, I saw a guy in a, I saw a guy in a liquor store. He had a full on suit. His tie was kind of undone, and he had a handle of the cheap vodka. And we were just like, oh, he's about to take his whole week out on this. <laughs> that's not what you want to do like seek therapy like mental health is important get 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 away from those unhealthy habits like damn i need a drink because guess what you're gonna need a drink every day if you keep up to to mason's point i had a i had a coach in college who always tell us uh you have to define your relationship to alcohol and that relationship will drive your behaviors it'll drive your habits so like if your relationship is that of a dependency It's going to create bad and negative habits for you in your life. Uh, But if that relationship is kind of like a a flirtatious one, like, you know, on the weekends, here and there, then obviously that's going to promote a a more healthy lifestyle and drive healthier behaviors. So I I definitely agree with what Mason had to say. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I I think... I think it's it's different to different people, like, as far as, like, what is too much and what is too bad. For, For me, if you need alcohol like it's not a it's not a a want anymore or it's not like a this is for fun so back to your point if this is not just for fun and you like you wake up and the first thing you do is drink you know even if that was marijuana or something if the first thing you do is wake up and you need a substance that's not good and to pivot for food um i would definitely say no matter who you are if you're eating fast food two, three, four times a week. Right. That is not going to work you out well. Bad. It's not going to work out well for you. But I, I mean, I know it's hard because like all it's people everywhere. our age, especially yeah, if you live in everywhere. a food desert like we do. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to always be looking for that quick food to eat. You, you like, you have some, some thoughts. No, cause Justin say. actually made a great point about the food desert. Like <laughs> I would not have a hard time. I mean, we eat healthy, right? Yeah. Uh, but I would have an easier time eating healthy if we lived in a place like San Francisco or Boston or New York. But we live in Oklahoma. <laughs> and you see it all the time. People are struggling to eat healthy, but that's no fault of their own. Like, no, you no, can't. It's, it, we, bro, talk, we talk about basic discipline, bro. Like, everyone has a choice. And I wouldn't even go to, like, the huge cities like San Francisco or Boston. I will say cities in general. Cities in general, right yes. Right now, I'm just like, like, big cities in general have vegan options. They have healthier Absolutely. options. But so, like, Subway is not a healthy option. <laughs> like, it's they're having not. carpet in their sandwiches. The tuna is not real. <laughs> Allegedly. But to my, to, to my point, to my point, and you've, you've heard me say this before, a couple years ago, I went to go make broccoli for yeah. a dish as a side, vegetable, to get some, uh-huh. some greens, some roughage in my diet. I went to the grocery store. First of all, it's not even a real grocery store it's a little like mark flea market a little, bodega. little flea market <laughs> emphasis on the fleas right so I'm, I'm in there i'm looking for broccoli i'm like hey do y'all have broccoli she's like um um you shouldn't have to freaking hesitate broccoli is nasty it's though. a it's a staple she's like um it's not like i asked for like i don't know it's not like going bro it's not like i asked for like prawns or some like ultra rare or specific food i'm like i asked no. for broccoli hey, damn can i finish can i finish i asked i'm actually mad I'm actually mad, bro, because I asked for broccoli. She's like, um, um. I go over to the, the aisle. She pointed me down. It's broccoli that's in a bag, and there's flies circulating around it. I was sick to my stomach. And that is not the first time I've seen that in Oklahoma. Like, that's where are you going? Notes, of no, Steve's a cheapskate, so he goes to the cheapest places that have powdered broccoli or flies flying over the fresh fruit. Like, the thing is, how can you be cheap and then go to the, and then expect to have the best of the best? Nah. There are stores like Audi that's not even that expensive that have fresh options. If you go to goddamn Country Mart, you're not gonna get what you're looking for. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to disparage Country Mart, but it was Country Mart that I went to. <laughs> exactly. 
I'm, it's not, some powdered I, broccoli. I'm not even going to country bar. What, what you, what you yeah, but now they got bought out by Homeland, so it's it's a little better than a little the nice now. A little nicer what than the old country say is that, And that's another thing is people will say, well, there's not healthier <laughs> options when you go and eat out, and I'll say this is that. It's not very hard to increase your cooking capabilities to the point where you can cook decent food. That might exactly. be even be better. You talk about the YouTube. I would argue you YouTube. Know that I could probably cook to the extent that it's better than most of the local exactly. places. So I don't even have to worry about that. And also, if you're on a diet, I think one of the best ways to um, be healthy is to make the first rule: I will not eat out. And what you have to do there, and I've, I've had, like, I've had. Of friends that I know who they'll, they'll just eat nothing but uh, plain chicken and Ugh, and, and lettuce. So first of all, <laughs> lettuce has very limited nutritional value, especially so, iceberg lettuce. Right, yeah, right. It's basically water. But my right. point is, okay, you've made the transition to eating at home, but then from there, kind of have a little fun with it. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like have some starches, have some sauces, have some whatever it is. Yeah. But you've made the transition at home, and that's that transition is going to play dividends in the long run. So even if you choose to be a little unhealthy at home, at least you're not at Taco Bell at 2 in yeah. the morning. Another, you know? another thing I will say is there's so many times where I go on like – online to like make a recipe and I'm like mm, I can't make this because Oklahoma doesn't have this spice or this ing- smoke paprika yeah <laughs> like no because it happens almost every week I look to make something I'm like oh this looks tasty let me click on it and look I look at the ingredients list I'm like I can't find this at the damn country mart next recipe and it ends up being like some fried baked you know what I'm saying like it's a food <laughs> desert fuming it's a food desert and I'm sick of it I am yeah. sick of it no, I, so, so something that's worked for me, and I, I don't know too many people that do this, but yeah, if you're like freestyling it, what you want to eat when you wake up, yeah, you're going to make bad decisions. Like if you wake up and have no plan, right. you're just like, hmm, what am I, what am I going to eat today? You're probably going to eat something terrible. So what you could do, and it takes like 10 minutes plan out your meals for the week like exactly what you think you're going to eat for that week so monday it could be uh this and that and that for for breakfast lunch and dinner and then now you have a plan you have your mouth and your brain is wired to think oh this is what i'm gonna eat today and you're more likely to do it than if you just wake up and say right what i'm gonna eat today yeah you know what i mean i'll say if, if you're lazy um and you don't really... No, I'm serious. Like, if you're yeah. lazy and you don't really like cooking like that, you can't really go wrong with some kind of egg dish. Like, eggs is probably um, uh, one of the best proteins you can eat. Like, your body digests eggs faster than almost any protein. Like, you cannot go wrong with that. So, eggs even if you add in some... Yeah, eggs and rice or add in some greens. Like, uh, I feel like if you're lazy, that's, like, a good way to go. Or at least start, like, yeah. on a slow day. Things that we always keep in our fridge, like eggs, we always have rice, we always have spinach on hand, we always have Greek yogurt, some sort of like fruit variant. Y'all do the uh, flavor Greek yogurt? Or y'all uh, typically just like plain. Yeah, yeah. But what I'll do is I'll do... It like a smoothie. What I'll do is like I'll do plain Greek yogurt. That's what I do in the morning. I'll buy like some strawberries. I'll yeah. do some plain Greek yogurt, some chia seeds uh, for like the antioxidants and whatnot, <laughs> a little bit of honey for a little bit of added sweetness. Yeah. And, and that'll be my breakfast. And that's a healthy breakfast because I'm choosing to mm-hmm. eat well but if i were to like just wake up and wing it i'm gonna be eating chick-fil-a breakfast every day okay so. no i got you you know what we we kind of got off track here but Sorry, that's i'm, but I'm that, angry but that's I'm all right angry. It, it, we just went down the hole it's cool everybody cool but um mason back to, back to your point so uh you know your focus is on the wealthy and their habits and things like that so the final thing i would say is obviously for all wealthy people, they have something that makes them uh, hungry. Like, uh, like they're they're driven to do. The the only way they got to where they're at is because they're driven, right? right. And so that that comes with internal motivation. Um, and for regular everyday folks, uh, you know, how should you approach uh, motivation? If you have a new idea or something like that, how do you? prevent yourself from getting discouraged and then how do you prevent others from discouraging you if you had to say or so what, I, what have you seen from the wealthy and how they did it and how would you do it so i'd say specifically um you don't want to just create an idea based off an idea that someone else had so they say fundamentally the keys to be successful read and write and have curiosity you know and then and then it just is a snowball effect from there so the point would be find something that you truly enjoy 
And then basically you, you pursue mastery and autonomy, mastery being just excelling beyond what other people are doing. And then autonomy being, it's like your own thing and you're breaking free of maybe like working for an employer or whatnot. And when you do that and you just pursue that with all of your energy, because you are curious about it and it is your passion. Um, it's going to just snowball to the point at which, and then there's an argument to say that it becomes your purpose at the point at which it starts to affect others. And in the market, that means that's the point where you're starting to turn a profit. So there's, you can look up anything that ever existed and there's a way to turn a profitable. And that, that's basically at the point at which it starts to affect others. And if you're good enough at doing something, it's going to happen. And I would argue that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of rich people that were in sales or whatnot, but sales is really can be applied to any field, to any interest. So I would say what you need to do primarily is find something that generally interests you and don't go, well, how does this connect to the market? How does this make me money? It doesn't matter. Find what truly interests you and when you become the best at it, the, connect, the connection to the market is comes you know second. That's that'll happen, and that it's easy to do that. When, in any manner, if anything, you'll just be a teacher of, of your craft. But I would say you need to truly pursue something that you that you love. And the hard part with that is, and then this is I guess your next question is, well, there's naysayers, right? Right. And one of the arguments I, I've heard, this is like uh, I think a little anecdote would be, you know, when you're when you're two years old and you're learning to walk and you fall down. No one laughs at you. You're just a kid and it's okay to fall. But when you're an adult and you try something new and you fail and fall on your face, the argument is that, well, I'm too old to be seen failing. Someone's going to laugh at me. Someone's going to make fun of me. And the thing is, it's it's true. They're going to make fun of you. And (laughs) what my argument would be is that most people who are making fun of you, and I think that for most genuine people, which I think we all are, is that – if I saw someone trying something that was truly their passion and they were failing at it and they kept on trying, I would be legitimately happy for them. So the people who are making fun of you are those that are just jealous or even a little bit insecure that you're pursuing your dreams, failing and continuing to pursue them where they either didn't try them at all or they tried once or twice, failed mm-hmm. and gave up on it. So I would say there should be no reason to ever um, not pursue it. And, yeah, I would say um, a lot of people, or I would say most people do things based on how it's perceived by others. So I, I be- strongly believe that is emotional dependence. If you're only if you're only doing things based on how other people will perceive it, like they actually can kind of control how you, you know, how you steer your life. I would say about 90% of um, all the attention you get is negative. Like, People really don't want to see you succeed. So, you know, it starts with the, um, like Mason said, the intellectual curiosity. And then part of that process is kind of blocking out the naysayers, um, buckling down and focusing. Um, And, like, you will fail. Fail often, fail early. But, like, you have to have the mental toughness. And we talk about that a lot. You have the mental toughness and discipline to push through those obstacles. And then um, once you make it profitable, like, a lot of people will not see, you know, the fruits of your labor until they see, you know, the profit, the money. Like once they see results, so like, oh, okay, okay, I always believed in you. I'm like, no, you didn't. But mm-hmm. so what I would say about that is well so the first thing about um, seeing the profits in the long run, um, there's all sorts of examples of people who were just attempting something and then all of a sudden, whether it was internet related or whatnot, they within a month they had, you know, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars in their bank account. So the argument that you're gonna see it coming is not true. You're gonna be struggling, struggling, struggling exactly. and then you're gonna hit the diamond mind and it's gonna be like where did all this wealth come from? Well, it came at the point at which everyone else quit because they thought that they were and mm-hmm. at their last failure and point. you choose to break mm-hmm. through and push. And so that's what they say, you know, at the top, there's there's less competition at the top. At the beginning, there's all this competition, but actually it's probably easier for at the top than it is to be at the bottom because you already filtered through, you know, the millions and millions of people with competition. The quitters. Yeah. It's like a race. Right. It's like a race. Uh, Steve, what you think? Uh, no comment, really. No comment. <laughs> no. But I would say, I would yeah. say this: um, we're talking about uh, the naysayers in specific. So I would say you obviously they say you'll be um, the five people that you're around the most is what you're going to be be like essentially. And I would say so you want to surround yourself with people that are going to help motivate you and support you. And one of the hardest parts is family, right? Because family might yeah, not support you. I was you. definitely, oh, I was yeah. getting to say and that. And I would yeah. argue this, family have to, they have their roles. They, I mean, they literally, your parents raised you, your brothers and sisters protected you. But there's, and I think this is the hardest part for people, is if you've truly found your passion and it's different than what your family believes in or what they support, 
you need to find a way to ideologically cut them out of their of of the affirmation process for your job or even explicitly tell them hey i love you guys i want you for familiar support but when it comes to my business i need you to know that this is what i care about and i'm not going to take your opinion and it's, and it's mentally i think on the individual it's hard to cut out someone that you truly care about that raised you right. from the you know ju- judgment process exactly. of your of your efforts. Yeah, I would say like family comes um, largely from like an older generation where they prioritize security over success. So obviously, you, you know your family, your parents don't want to see you fall flat on your face. He's like, oh no, like Justin, maybe you should do this. This is safer. You'll be more secure. But like a lot of the times, pushing like we talk about pushing through those obstacles till you make your breakthrough. Like. Like Mason said, you're going to have to kind of cut off like naysayers, whether it's familiar, familial, because once you actually, you know, reach that breakthrough point, then maybe it's like, okay, now we see where you were going. But most people don't, uh, will doubt until they see the results. Yeah, absolutely. And and at the end of the day, it's it's basically like stocks, you know, the only way you lose money is if you, you pull out or if you give up, like you're always in the fight, you're always uh, got a, a dog in the hunt. So. Right. Um, echo, echoing your point, you know, yeah, your parents or your uh, family or friends, they may say that it's a bad idea, one, out of jealousy, or two, they it's unfamiliar to them and they don't want to see you fail, but they're not going to understand until they see the results exactly. of, of your labor, the fruits of your labor, so to speak. So, yeah, just keep pushing through and uh, you'll make it through. Hey, uh, appreciate having you, Mason. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely. fun. <laughs> this was fun. Um, I think I'd speak for all of us when I say, yeah, we, we need to do this again. Um, uh, if you like this, if you like this episode, go ahead and leave a like and subscribe down below. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Um, and if you want to hear more from Mason, go ahead and uh, follow the link uh, down below at the Freedom and Power uh, podcast on uh, all streaming platforms, and this has been a, this has been the True Thoughts podcast. Oh, if, if, if you want to donate some fresh produce for the people of Oklahoma, feel free to <laughs> click the link below and donate just some some vegetables, broccoli specifically. But Steven. I had to throw that in there. We are in a we are in a food desert, people. Steven. A food desert. Uh, and, and for and for a closeout, please um, hit that like button, subscribe if you want to see more. Um, I want you guys to comment comment if you guys want to be a part of um, our podcast. Like. We we like having guests. Like Mason will probably be a repeat guest. We actually like having a guest. We want to see you guys engage more in the comments. Um, tell us what we can do better. See uh, see especially we want to see what you guys want to want us to talk about. Um, but yeah, this has been the True Thoughts podcast. We'll see you next week. Yeah.